Morgan, you know what I've been thinking a lot about? Tell me. Tell us. Tell us. <laughs> dreams. I know. They're whether, wild. Whether it's metaphorical, you know, dreams, goals, aspirations in life, or, you know, dreams that you actually have at mm -hmm. night. I, I've been thinking a lot about th this one specific quote keeps popping out to me. Okay. It's a Broadway quote <laughs> from Wicked. It's from the song Thank Goodness that Glinda sings. Oh, I love that song. The song always ends up making me emotional. I know. Don't cry now. I know. I feel like I'm gonna. I'm like emotional That's okay. today. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Let it out. You know, she goes, getting your dreams as strange as it seems, it's a little, well, complicated. Mm -hmm. There's a kind of a sort of cost. There's a couple of things that get lost. Mm-hmm. And there are bridges you crossed you didn't know you crossed until you crossed. And then if that joy, that thrill. <laughs> You're singing the whole song. It doesn't thrill <laughs> like you think it will. You know, what yeah, about know. the idea of getting something that you want? And it's like. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because dreams, when we first think of the word, I think people think of the dreams they have when they're sleeping. Yeah. And they're very similar to dreams that we have when we're little kids because we're constantly chasing them. Yeah. Do you ever have that feeling when you wake up? And you had a really great dream, super vivid. You want to go back to it. You close your eyes and you want to go back to it. Yeah. And you just can't seem to get it. You can't. You can't seem, seem to, seem to get there. exactly like where like, you get were. Me back there. And it's kind of similar to dreams. Like when you're little, you're always chasing them, and they're not necessarily clear in your mind. I don't know how you look at childhood dreams, like what you want to be when you grow up. But for me, um, it's a lot like looking through like a very blurry screen where you can yeah. see the big picture but you can't necessarily see the details and I feel like that's a lot like dreams that we have when we're sleeping. Totally. Totally. Crazy. Yeah and I think it's one of those things that like you can't do you ever get like mixed up memories like you'll see a home video and then you think that you remember that mm -hmm. but you actually don't really remember it you just well, know yeah. what you saw from the home it's video. It's familial but it's not like it's not how you thought it was going to be and it changes every time. Yeah. Almost. I remember like specifically like this one recurring dream that I have reoccurring. Mm -hmm. Is it reoccurring or recurring? Recurring. Recurring. I think. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> fact check. <laughs> yeah, fact check somebody. <laughs> I, I, it, I dream that I'm in a play and it's like my high school musicals mm -hmm. and I can't, I didn't memorize any of my lines. Stop it. Do you do this I too? have the same recurring dream. Get out. Keep going. And, and so I'm out there on the stage and I'm like kind of winging it and it's like kind of going well, like really, really. I'm oh my God, you should I'm, see Morgan's face. I right am now. freaking out. Okay. I Why? just keep going because it's, I'm, it's the same recurring dream. This that must I have. be connected to how we both watched Anastasia as a child, <laughs> not Disney princess movies. Does anybody else remember Anastasia? Anastasia. Oh my God. And the little knickknack, the yeah, yeah, round knickknack yeah. that yeah. was, it always looks so delectable, but it wasn't even food. It was just dancing, but. Pasted wings. I don't know the words. But I, I'm always on a December. Oh, I know. That makes you feel nostalgic. It's yeah, crazy. It does. Like dreams do. Like, mm -hmm. Nostalgic. And I'm on stage and I'm like, geez, I, I, I don't know any of my lines, but it's kind of going well. But then I have like a costume change and like, uh, like Johnny Elmer, like who's like, you know, somebody we know from yeah, high school, yeah. like he'll be out on the stage. Like we did the plays together and he'll be out on the stage and he'll 
be like giving me my cue line and I'm not coming on stage. And right. I, like my shoes are at home and I'm like driving home in the middle of the show to like go get <laughs> oh. my shoes. And I think stressful. It, yeah. It's like very frantic. Yeah. And I think it connects back to like, in another way, a dream as rather like a goal or a childhood like thing is like, it kills me that I am not on Broadway. Oh. I'm telling you, that's the only thing that I really wanted to do. Like, of course, I like, you know, love doing work for like, you know, the housewives and TV stuff and PR and creative, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But I really just wanted to be on Broadway. I like, think that's all I wanted to do. I think people that know you also agree that you belong on Broadway. And I'd like to say this to you. And it's not like crazy piece of advice, but I just want to let you know that life is not over. Oh my God. You're Life's not over. Life's not over. And where there's a will, there's a way. Do you think that there's a chance? Absolutely. I do think that there's a chance. That I could be on Broadway? I do. I do. <laughs> I think there's a chance that you I could do. too. I can't sing. I can't sing, but I can dance. I can act probably. <laughs> oh, um, I think you're a good actress. <laughs> As we've known from experiences on and off stage, you can, you're a very good actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can put it on when needed. <laughs> but so... Along the same lines as your reoccurring dream, reoccurring, I don't know what it is. Recurring. Recurring dream. Um, so as some of you might know, I was a dancer my whole life. And I loved the expression of dance and I loved being on stage and I loved learning the choreography. Yeah. But I'm not a detail person and I know that about myself. So I never went on to stage like 110% sure of the choreography, but I made it work. Like I would drag things out so if I didn't know. So you solo dancing probably I, better than group dances. Because in group dances, you have to be like technical in line with the rest of, of the course, group. Like I'm good at um, improvising. Really okay. good at improvising. and But I love the choreography too because you can kind of use that as structure and then make it your own. Yeah. So my recurring dream is, it's happened maybe like three or four times in the past two years and the thing about it is that the setting is the ex- it's identical to what it was before. So what it is is do you a stage. know that when you're in the dream, mm-hmm. do you know that it's this familiar? Is a dream? It's familiar. Okay. And so the first part of the recurring dream is um, I'm getting ready to go on stage with my dance team. I'm in a costume. My makeup is all done. Um, we see the crowd. You know how on stage you just like can't really see like the audience. Like the bright lights are just so bright. You can't. Yeah, so it's very black, black swan. It's black yeah. in front of me. You can't see anybody. But I know I'm about to go on stage, and I don't know the dance. Okay. I don't know it at all. And every single time I just improvise and like made it work. And then that part of the dream like happens very quickly. But I know that there's like some anxiety with it in the beginning where I'm like, I don't know the dance. I don't know the dance. And then I I get going and then I'm fine. Yeah. The second part of the dream. So I used to be a swimmer for people who don't know about know this about me. I know. I remember when you were a swimmer. So I used to be a swimmer. And (laughs) the second part of this dream, it's always piggybacked on the stage dream part. Um, And I get ready to go jump off of like the diving block. Yeah. Yeah. but the way that I see it in my dream is that I'm not facing like the long end of the pool. Like I see the whole length of the pool. So it's like sideways. Yes. And it's in an arena, like an Olympic arena. And how I need to get out of the pool when I'm done my race is I have to like slither through like this small crevice. Oh my God. But actually really funny. I had this dream uh, two nights ago. I was telling my family about it. And I was swimming with um, the people on my team were Teresa Judice's uh, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that um, where that came from is that people said that I could be related to her kids because we have like 
big light eyes and yeah whatever so it's just the same recurring dream of me just getting ready to perform and then either performing sinking or swimming no pun intended swimming no pun intended um now, do you like the idea? So, like, when you're in this dream and you're doing, like, you, you don't really know the choreography, do you find comfort in that? Are you, like, or do you get anxiety from that, too? Well, so, when I first had the dream, I would get anxiety from it. And mm-hmm. then now that it's recurring, I kind of am like, I got this because I've done it before. Wait, so, Morgan, to bring this full circle to a conversation that I keep having to you, whenever I say to you, lean into it, lean into it. And you're kind of like, what does that mean, lean into it? <laughs> yeah. You did it already. Mm-hmm. You leaned into subconsciously, it. Subconsciously, I needed I needed switch that to reality. Yeah. But subconsciously, yeah, I think so. I'm learning. It's very slow growth. <laughs> I know. I think that there's something kind of magical about the idea of like whether it's your dream that's like a goal in life or whether it's your actual dream when you're sleeping, like the idea of finding like romanticism and like the unattainable factor of it well it's the chase like I don't know how you feel about it but when I have a really great dream like I said before earlier in this conversation when I close my eyes I try so hard to just get back to that setting I know and every time you try to remember more the faster it goes away oh my god that's why I write it down when I wake up I had had this weird dream the other night and I don't know what this means are you ready and it's kind of like twin peaksy a little bit I'm excited so it was about Okay, so, like, it was about people who looked like one another. So, it was, like, this guy was showing me... You were in it, okay? So, so this guy was showing me this picture of he and a person that he used to live with in Miami. Okay. And he was, like, how similar do we look? And I was, like... He asked you that question? And I was, like, you guys look exactly alike. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, yeah, it's weird, but he disappeared. He completely disappeared. Uh And, um... The place where we used to live was called San Marillo. It was our apartment complex. Okay. And so he was a photographer, the guy. And so the guy gets, um, the guy's mother, who he goes, my mom got a phone call. Okay. And it was like, I want to take pictures of you. It was like, let me, I want to do a photo shoot of you. And I think it's because you told me that somebody came up to you on the street and was like, I want to do a photo shoot of oh, you. Oh, yeah, that happened, yeah. <laughs> and so, so the guy's like, I'm going to take this phone number that called my mom and I'm going to star... 69 it uh-huh. so he calls back and it answers as an star answering. 67 <laughs> no star 69 like you it was like an old thing that they used to do to get caller id so to like, get it or to take it away no is it no, star, star 67 is when you block your id we used oh, to prank oh. all people okay yeah. i think star 69 was when you used to call back <laughs> okay. and you wanted to see who it was got it um um it answered, it was like a pizza place. It was like San Marillo's Pizza Shop. And so he was like, tra- <laughs> and he used to, he was like tracking down all these people who would get either phone calls, like me and you were supposed to sing at a wedding. Like me and you had a, a wedding job. singer. <laughs> and we had somebody call us and was like, I want to take photos of you at the wedding. Like, and so all these people, we, we like connected them from around the world that like wanted pictures t- that people were reaching out saying, I want to take pictures of you. We would start 69 uh-huh. it and it would all, it was like San Marillo's shoe shop, San Marillo's pizza shop. So it S- all came back to San Marillo. San Marillo, which is like where they lived. Interesting. And it's weird. It I is weird. And it was like, what it came down to was this guy was obsessed with finding people that looked like you and he wanted to set you up with somebody who looked like you like and catch you with... off guard. Oh. And he wanted to catch you off guard and take a picture of you with somebody who looked, and I, it was so scary in my dream and I woke up. Cause it's, okay, so my what I was gonna say and what I was thinking this whole time is I was following you on the dream. Like I was following you what you were saying. 
Um, but to me, that doesn't sound scary. No, but you know why it was so scary? Why? It's because I realized, I think the subtext of it was I hate being confronted with myself. And that's oh why my it was so scary in my dream was that it was like, this guy, it was like horrifying. He wanted, and it, we were at like a wedding and people were running out and they were screaming because there were all people that looked like each other and nobody yeah. wanted to look at their doppelganger. Oh. And I was like, oh my God. People do get like that in real life when you're like, oh, you look like that person. They're like, uh-uh. Yeah, they're like, no, I don't. Yeah. But nobody wants to be confronted with their true, whether it's their looks, whether it's their true personality. I think it goes back to my imposter syndrome. You have imposter syndrome too. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. I feel that, yeah. Well, so a couple of fun facts about dreams that, um, that story maybe think of is that in your dreams you're actually not ever supposed to see your own face okay that's weird you're not supposed to see your own face but all dreams people in your dreams are people that you have seen in real life whether it's walking on the street whether the it's past. people you know okay like it really could be just someone that you see like on the subway yeah and they'll pop back up because you have like a image of them in your brain uh -huh. but you're never ever supposed to see yourself there was one time where i remember looking in a mirror into a mirror in my dream and it was not me oh my god that's fucking weird i wonder if it has anything to do with like being an old soul like yeah. someone that i was in my prior in life your prior life but i also do think that i'm a new soul i don't think i've been here before <laughs> wait take us down that i love that that okay. you always talk about so there's old souls and new souls yeah and my belief is that um, souls never die. Mm -hmm. It's energy. Electricity. Electricity. It's science. What, you know, is created is never destroyed. We were talking about this with Jacob the other right. day. Right. Yeah, and it's really, that... really interesting. And um, there are just some people that you meet and it is almost like they have done this before. Mm -hmm. Like everything is familiar <laughs> to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like whether it's navigating through like uh, friendship drama or navigating just through like people who are wise beyond their years yeah are more known in my eyes to be like an older soul like they've been here before they've interacted with people before they've been let down before they've been in love before etc mm -hmm. but i do think that there are also some new souls who have never been here before and you're one of them and i think i am one of them because you're just like every time something happens you're like well that never happened to me before well it just well, everything is so new to me yeah. like I'm so bright eyed and bushy tailed when it comes to this like a yeah. lot of drama a lot of friends and work and like I'm very much like my my eyes light up at new beginnings like mm -hmm. I'm addicted to new beginnings that's so true and I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing I think it's a good thing in the fact that I like change but it's not so good in the fact that I don't like Long, the longevity of things yeah not yeah. that i get bored i just want a new beginning so i'm yeah. chasing 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 totally i mean i think that i've been here many times and i also think though that i'm somebody who never learned from my mistakes in a past life yeah i just totally think that i didn't and so that's why i think i'm so good at giving advice but mm -hmm. i'm not good at taking it mm -hmm. and so i've been every time i experience something like a heartbreak or whatever or a lost dream it's like so romantic to me and i think that i was probably either a flapper woman <laughs> in the 20s okay. or i was like a closeted gay president in the 1950s wow yeah, that's very specific. Yeah, I think that that's who I was, I and love I think that. about. That. I think I was the president before. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know why, but I think that my life was ruined, and I I've thought about this many times. Yeah. 
when I came out or I got caught with a guy or something. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, because in movies, there's always like the stereotypical, like it's always like, if you notice like a way an older black woman is always portrayed in like a movie is like, she's wise, like mm-hmm. beyond her years. She's like an oracle. I was talking yeah. to our producer, Andrew yeah. McGuire, about this. Mm-hmm. And then like a gay guy's always like, oh, he always knows, you know, what's up. Right. Like, like always, always has the advice for yeah. like straight guys, straight girls, like. Yeah. It's a middle ground. But then they get the stereotype of being so chaotic because they just don't take their own advice. So they're so good at telling you what to wear, not so good at picking out what to wear. Interesting. So do you think that there are certain circumstances where you're like, okay, this would have been like flapper me or like this is something I've seen when I was a closeted gay president? Well, I I also have this um, persona called the professor. I think I've you done do. it a few times on this, but you know, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, you do, you do. It's very, it's profound. <laughs> I lo- <laughs> what do you mean? It's profound. Profound, like you are so good with words and you're so um, diplomatic when you have like a point to make. And I think that's very professor of you. Yeah, I'm definitely the professor a good amount of the time. The professor. And I love that. I was the professor the other night for a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, so I have gay president, um, professor... 1920s flapper woman that's when my flapper woman persona is when i'm like in new york city and yeah. i'm like oh my god i need to sit at gallagher's at the bar and have 12 oysters and have a dirty martini and step I'm outside like, for a cigarette yeah step outside yeah. for a cigarette i'm just like wearing all black f- i know yeah. i know these three i know these three personas very well i'm and good they, fr- i'm great friends with all of them but you, yeah, <laughs> but you know what i hate I, I forget which persona told who what <laughs> And so somebody's talking to me. They're like, well, what about blah, 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 blah. I'm oh like, my God. Mm, you're like, the professor told- heard that one, not flapper. <laughs> <laughs> and then you respond as a flapper. And you're like, oh, darling, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, listen. And then the gay <laughs> president is giving a press conference about it later on Instagram right. stories. Interesting. You have yourself kind of figured out. Yeah, that's the thing that's frightening. I had a moment last night and I was having, I couldn't sleep on it because I was having dreams. I'm like, oh my God, I like, uh, uh, I wrote this song lyric one time mm-hmm. and it was like, uh, I bet you'd be surprised to know that I am the best at letting go. And I bet you'd also be hard pressed to find mm-hmm. that I'm a liar. Mm. So which one oh is which? Right. Because you could be lying from the beginning of the sentence. I could be lying from the beginning of the sentence because I know myself so well that I think sometimes instead of it coming out like just as myself, mm-hmm. I know which parts of myself I want to hide. So people might be like, "Oh, he puts it out all on the table." It's I'm like, like you have a control room in your brain. Yeah, and that's just like a percentage. That's just a percentage, and I get saddened by it sometimes because I'm like, it is exhausting. But like you told me, <laughs> I mean, maybe lean into that. A lot of people don't know themselves. I think that you know yourself. I just think what it is is your dreams really do make up who you are. I think that what happens, I'm psychoanalyzing you. I think that sometimes <laughs> this you is don't, live. <laughs> yeah, I think that sometimes you don't know what your dreams actually are until they're in front of you. And you question it when you're doing something you really love. You're like, is this it? Because, because there's always something I was more. always there was always so much structure in my life. And I'm good at that. I'm good at being thrown into something without me even knowing if I'm going to like it yeah. or if I'm going to be good at it because I will excel. So I don't, I never plan things. So yeah, you suck at planning. I suck at planning. Like it's my, it's my downfall. Yeah. Um, 
But I also feel like if I did plan things and they didn't work out the way I wanted them to, I would be so upset. Yeah. So I'm so go with the flow and like okay with being thrown into very random situations. You totally are. I'm very adaptable. And yeah. I like change and I like new things. Yeah. Um, totally. And I'm not. Which is a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, I think I'm definitely three dimensional. We all are, like physically. Yeah. But um, I can be deep. I just don't have like those. I don't have a control room in my brain. But I wish I did. Yeah, sometimes you just wish it would shut the fuck up. Yeah. And shut the fuck off. Yeah. That's what I wish mine would do. Yeah, um, I That's watched, why I admire you. I admired you too. Because it's. it's um, like we have said this before, yin and yang. Yeah, so very balance. much so. Very but much so. Totally. A lot of, and just to circle back to you know the creative conversations we've we've been having is a lot of artists cannot shut off their brain. No, they can't. they cannot because there's so many concepts and there's so many metaphors and there's so much feeling that they want to get out. So yeah. I feel like, when do you feel like you sleep best? <sighs> when I sleep best is usually. Um, hmm. It's, it's difficult to tell. I think that I sleep best um, if I go out on a Saturday and I'm like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And then on Sunday, I might like go to brunch and have like a hair of the dog, like Bloody Mary Mimosa. No, I'm not talking about a full Sunday fun day because full Sunday fun days, I can't sleep that night. I'm right. Well, unless I'm blacked out. Yeah. And even then, you're not actually sleeping. But I think that <laughs> if I just do a couple of mimosas, you know, whatever, then during the day, you know, I just do my thing. And then my mom usually will make like a good like spaghetti dinner Mm -hmm. and then I'll have like a couple glasses of red take a little hit of the weed pen Mm -hmm. one of my prescribed Xanax Uh and then I go to sleep yeah that's when I sleep. I put on a horror movie light a candle my room should be clean yeah I go to sleep okay yeah how about you I mean I sleep pretty well almost every night yeah even if something really horrible is going on you sleep well um no I mean there are times where I have so much on my mind and I'm very, very worried and like I'm very anxious, but it's because of um, what other people might think is going on. Yes. Like I don't, I don't stay up on my thoughts. I stay up on like what other people are thinking. Really? Yeah. I I do that a little bit too sometimes. Yeah. Well, you're afraid that your shit shows are going to catch up with you. And I that's mean, what I, I get fearful maybe, of too. Maybe. And if they do, that's okay. Cause that's integrity and owning it is a part of the show. Yeah. Um, but, or I can't sleep if I think that somebody's upset or disappointed in me. Yeah. That's I when I, that that's too. when I don't sleep either. I hate that too. But for the most part, I'm all right. Well, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely an art to take these, you know, shit shows, wh- whether it's, you know, dreams lost, dreams gained, stuff that happened that kept you from fulfilling your dreams and somebody who is an expert at that mm-hmm. and an artist and her truest form is Margaret Josephs. She's an icon. My friend, colleague, um, and she's from the Real Housewives of New Jersey, but even more admirable because of her amazing business, the well, Macbeth she's, Collection. She's somebody that a lot of people look up to. Yeah, she is. Yeah. And I look up to her. Of so course, that's what I'm saying. There's Everybody. been so many times where she slapped me on the wrist and been like, hey, you fucked up there. Don't do that again. Hey, wake up. And I'm like- Wake up from your dream. Yeah, wake up from your dream. <laughs> Wake up from your dreams. So, Margaret, come wake us up from our dreams. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Welcome Here to the we... shit show. Margaret Joseph. Here we are with Margaret. <laughs> Hi, Morgan and Anthony. So excited to be on shit show. Oh, my God. We're so excited to have you. Well, so, so we've experienced a bunch of shit shows together, but we can't wait yes. to hear about some that we don't know about. 
Oh my God. I have endless <laughs> shit shows in every part of my life, which we all know. I mean, I grew up in a shit show. Growing up with Marge Sr., you, you know, was a total business. <laughs> I didn't know it was a shit show until I went to therapy years later. I mean, I thought everybody. Oh, that's was, why. Like, that's what happened. That's, you have to be reminded. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what happens when your therapist tells you it's not normal to hide married men in the closet. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's. <laughs> That's what it is. Now, now, so you grew up thinking that that shit was normal. And a little background on Margaret. Margaret went to FIT, Fashion Institute mm -hmm. of Technology. Yes. She's a fashion designer, entrepreneur, and, of course, TV personality from Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, fan favorite. Um, Thank Margaret, many hats. Yeah, many hats. And she does the Macbeth collection. And so when you started, uh, do, did your creativity start at a young age? Because I often find out that people who have fucked up shit happen to them when they're younger become very creative. Yes. You know, I was very creative. I think just straight coming out of the womb. I remember mm -hmm. picking out my own clothes, being very demanding at, I think the age of three, I was impossible to get dressed. I was always in costume. Um, I, I swear, I think my first pair of heels was at the age of four. I, there's pictures of me wearing high heels at four with big sunglasses. Oh my! So God. I was always very creative in my fashion sense. I was always redecorating. Even playing Barbies, I would. I was much more about the interior design of the Barbie house as opposed mm -hmm. to acting out scenes. It was more about getting them dressed and with the interior design and what they were going to look like, wear and styling their hair. So Very yeah, I was yeah, I was super creative from a young age. And so was my mother. My mother is very creative as well. So we were a very creative duo. Uh, Margaret, growing up, um, hearing about you wanting to dress up all the Barbie houses, make things look really pretty, um, having heels at a young age. What was your dream job growing up when you were like a little girl? I mean, the, the funny thing is the first thing I wanted to be was a farmer. I told my mother I was going to be a farmer <laughs> because I always wore overalls. But after that, it was being in the fashion industry. I always wanted yeah. to be in the fashion industry. My dream job was to be a dress designer or mm -hmm. do something in that field, which is what I wound up doing. I, I did wind up going to FIT. It was definitely going to do something creative. I could never see myself sitting in an office. Though I was a medical neurotic, I probably should have been a doctor because I'm a hypochondriac and I diagnose people. <laughs> you but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely to be in a creative industry. Right. Marge, you always talk about your mom said, spend your last dollar on a lipstick. But I feel like we don't know like that full story. And I feel like that's a shit show story. What yes, it's, so it, it's so catchy. It is. It is. My mother um, was a decadent, decadent spender. I never mm -hmm. knew that we really didn't have a lot of money because Marge Singer was very much of the spend your last dollar on a lipstick type of person. I mean, we might have not, you know, all, all our money was in our closets and in the bathroom in makeup. All my friends wanted to come over to our house and dress up because we had the best clothes. We had all the makeup. It was like a makeup store. My mother's bathroom, by the way, is still like a makeup store. <laughs> she would never want to leave the house without looking good, even as a little girl, without a wig on or yeah. looking amazing. And it was always better to look good than to feel good. She didn't give a shit if I was having Oreos and coffee from the age of four, but you, better go, out, on. <laughs> you better go out and look like a million bucks. Yeah. So we could be, I was like, mom, you know, I remember one time coming home. I'm not even kidding. You, she didn't pay the electric bill. I was like in high school oh, no. and she didn't pay the electric bill, but I'm going to tell you something. She came home with a bag from fucking Neiman Marcus. So she, oh. I was like, are you kidding me? What are you doing? You know, and Marcy was like, you know, honey, we got to look good. Da, da, da. So she was very much like, you know, she was always like, I'll spend my last dollar on a lot. 
Oh my God. It's so funny. Cause I always feel like when you look good, you do better. Like you yes. do well. So and, yeah, that like it's kind of like people when people like dress up for the SATs. Like I know people who wore like heels and jeans, to, like the SATs cause it made them feel better and more confident. So I understand. That. I feel so that way also. If I look yeah. better, I mean, there's so many, I look like shit in the house, but I'll tell you, I would go to the oh. super, I go to the supermarket. My mother will go to, we'll have uh, you know, our pajamas on, but we'll be wearing a fur coat, sunglasses and mm-hmm. with our pajamas. There's not a day. <laughs> We're always going to be wearing something that is, but that was just my mother. Yeah. And, and I, you know, got the same thing. I had to inherit that even though I yeah. could look like shit, but there's always going to be a lipstick on or, or something fabulous or an accessory. I have to make everything shitty somehow look good. And that was her theory. Now take me through. So then you said you went to therapy and you mm-hmm. start talking about this as if it's like normal. And, and I, then- yeah, it, oh, it was, hell. I didn't realize, you know, as I got older, when I saw first, I was starting to click to me when I went to other people's houses, you know, that um, most people weren't divorced when I was growing up. That was the first thing I grew up, you know, in the seventies, early eighties, mm-hmm. I graduated high school in 85. I, you know, I could have birthed either of you. And <laughs> it wasn't really common to be divorced. So that was the first thing, you know, when my mother and I moved in, I saw people were threatened by her. She was very much a sex kitten, you know, hide your, you know, it was like hide your husband's kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So when I went to therapy, I would tell the therapist certain things. Like I was drinking coffee from a young age, uh, age four. I'm not kidding you. I had coffee every morning with Oreo cookies and, and the therapist like looked at me like what? And you know, I would say, oh, my mother had, you know, numerous boyfriends, uh, some were married, one would come over, I'd have to hide the other one in the closet. Um, You know, and she was just, you know, to me, that was like, she's like, you know, you were maybe a little, you know, neglected. I was like, oh, it was the 70s. You know, so I was like, wow, maybe that's not so normal. You know, if I tell the stories, it made me who I am. I, I don't feel a victim from it. But it's just, maybe it wasn't the most normal upbringing. You, you know, we were more like, you know, BFFs. I was like her little sidekick, the little right. blonde, you know, the little mini Marge. Right. Well, it's interesting to hear how your shit shows can define you because you have a very yes. similar upbringing to my mom. My mom yes. told you the same things, but she's gone about it. And not that she's a victim by it by any means, but she's very protective now. She started dressing very conservatively. What you ended up doing was you leaned into it in a way of course yeah exactly and that's i think the better way to be is to lean into your shit because if it makes you who you are then it's all worth it yeah i mean i've leaned into it to a point i don't drink that's the only other thing um you know i saw my mother was much too much of a party girl and i i felt that that was a little too much for me she an unhealthy relationship with alcohol so that frightened me so i do not drink at all. Once I've tried to drink and then I had a headache. So I don't like to feel out of control. So that's the only part I have not leaned into. And I, you know, I did a co-brand with this company mingles. So it's like, you know, you can be the life of the, yeah. Yeah. Mingle mocktails. So you can have a cocktail (laughs) and not be, and be the life of the party without being a party pooper. And and listen, I drive all my friends home and I feel like you're much more, you know, I don't need a drink to be confident. Yes. Or, or feel, right. and I like to feel lucid and in control. And then I like to, you know, remind everybody all the shitty things they did when they're drunk anyway. So it's kind of, <laughs> that's a perfect role. Yeah, well, perfect it sounds role. like you're, yeah, it sounds like you're very um, good at compartmentalizing um, like your upbringing and obviously it's, it's driven you to success. So I guess one question I wanted to ask you is 
obviously you're a marketing genius. Oh, thank um, How did you come up with your pink, uh, vivacious brand? And was there anybody that inspired you when you were trying to think of your brand? You know, it's funny. I always thought of stuff, um, Macbeth Collection, when I started my kitchen table, I always wanted to, I got out of the fashion industry. I had my son. People don't realize that I broke the son. You know, everyone's like, ah, oh, you don't have kids. You only have stepkids. You don't know. And I was like, yeah, all right. Hmm. So um, I needed to do something creative. So I wanted to do something utilitarian, but make it fashionable. That was always my thing, you know, mixing high and low. So I did buckets to store stuff in actual buckets I bought at Home Depot and decoupage them because I want to be creative, but it was about print and pattern and monogramming years before this 20 years ago. So now, you like crafting. It sounds like you like crafting yeah, it was at the time. Yeah now, yeah. now it's like, I'm not getting it. <laughs> now it's a chore. Now yeah. it's a chore, but at the time, and it was, and it was great. And I took it to local stores, but it looked high end and fun. It sold out right away. It put me in business. Wow. but I always like color, you know, even though mm. I'll wear black, I'll always wear a pop of color. I always thought, I was always like, decorate your life. You know, I always liked pops of color and things like that. So I started the company and I had no idea it was going to blow up into something crazy. And I always appeared bigger than I was. And it just, it was like a whirlwind. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go with it. You know, we got on the O list, we got on this and, and I just did it. I, I was in business with my ex-husband. Lexi's been with me for 12 years and it, it really, it really, really grew. And I would say I'm 50% delusional, 50% determined. Because if you don't like dream and think that you're amazing, who else is going to believe your line of shit and think you're so fabulous? Oh, right? I it's all about, that. it's all about and the also, And then also being determined to make sure that you reach your goal. And, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, there it's was a great no, balance. Yeah. There was no way someone was going to tell me I wasn't going to, I think the delusion helps you not doubt yourself. You're determined. But so many people, including, um, ex-family members from my, not my, my ex-husband was on the fence. My ex-brother-in-law was definitely like, give it up. You know, you never be successful. You know, that's awful. Yeah. It kind of sucked. Listen, we were got, you know, I lost money. I did this, but then I got into licensing. A licensing agent had come to me and he's like, you know, every big retailer wants to do business with you. I had no idea. I was like, I was a snotty bitch. I was like, we're selling Neiman's, we're selling Saks, we're doing okay. I was, he was like, no, you got to sell the masses. That's where the money is. Like make for the masses, eat with the classes. I was like, all right, okay. You know, <laughs> I was like, if you say so, I was like, maybe it's a good idea to do that. He's like, you don't right. have to then make your own product and other people will make it. It'll be your brand and you'll just do the styling. And that's really what got me going. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm already finding out stuff that I didn't know. So you, you obviously have like your blonde bombshell like persona but you're very very smart and i think that when you, you came on to housewives oh of course and when you came on to housewives i feel like people were like okay so this is bringing something new to jersey because she's smart and not that people were stupid on the show but you were very quick wit um i want to know about in the industry did you ever experience sexism because of how you looked or any kind of crazy shit shows with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. The other thing. Yeah. Because I wasn't your typical businesswoman. We all know that I normally, I wear pigtails for years. I've worn pigtails. I still do. Um, I always had my boobs out. I never changed the way that I looked. I, yeah. you know, I'm huge knockers and <laughs> I was always at my trade shows and I, I was younger, you know, I'm 53 now, but we're talking, I was in business 20 years ago, starting at 33. I started licensing out when I was, I think 40, and mm -hmm. I, you know, I was still like a sex kitten. I had my boobs out. I was like, 
That's, and I think people looked at me and underestimated me. They're like, who's this blonde bimbo? What does she think she's doing? I say it's always better to be underestimated sometimes right. because you come so in and then true. you could just take over because then yeah, and and people let their guard down. Right. And I did experience sexism a lot. I'm in business with a ton of men. Um, sometimes men who really don't respect women in this industry. And so my friend, I was going to tell you a funny story. My first meeting in licensing, they said, go to this company. And I'll just say Kennedy International. I don't even care. This guy, Henry. Uh, and I go in. I have no idea. You know, I'm not going in looking like I'm creative. I'm not going mm-hmm. in looking super, you know, professional in the, in the sense. I'm not going to change who I am. Right. And I go in and they, he says, uh, I, it's hot. It's like July. I'm wearing like a halter dress. My boobs are out. No bra because I'm sweating. I'm tan. I got the pigtails. I got the heels. And I go in. I'm like, you know, I have a beautiful brand. They look at me like, you know, they're doing business with Laura Ashley. You know, the Laura Ashley brand, which is doing great for them. And in comes me. No one's, you know, they've only heard of me in like the high end industry. And they're like, this girl has, and they're like, we'll take it. You know, they're yeah. just like looking at me like with the doctors at, who is this kook who has the nerve And I was like, that's amazing. And they write me a check for like $15,000 advance. And we're going to give her 5% royalty. And, you know, let's, and we've done millions and millions of dollars. It was just very, very funny. I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. amazing. But they yeah. tell this story. I thought it was great. They thought I was so talented. They tell the story. This girl with big blonde with big boobs came in and we couldn't wait to do business with her. Oh my God. It's just so funny because I never thought of it that way. Right. I was just going to say, I really respect um, the nonconformist way that you went about it because a lot of people would obviously go into this meeting, making sure they're like, you know, super structured and put together. And you knew just by being yourself that they'd probably take you on. They just looked at it in a different light. Yeah, I was like, I don't give a shit. I was like, you right. know, this is time. I, I also went for media training. This is how I got into TV. Uh, Amy Rosenblum, who I really do owe my TV career to. I was going on uh, CNBC, I believe it was. And they were like, moms who are making millions, you know, who started their own industry, which at the mm. time, you know, I was a, so it was just very funny. I go for media training. Again, I go in my pigtails, boobs out. I go in there and she goes, Anna. She was originally the producer today. Show. Anna, you're not going on, on TV with your pigtails. I go, really? yes. I go, yes, ma'am. I go, who the fuck are you? I go, I'm not taking my pigtails out. She goes, what? I go, yeah, I'm not. I go, I'm not going. I go, forget it. I'm not doing that. I go, what are you talking about? I go, I'm not changing who I am. This is who I am. Yeah, I good for you. She thought that was so funny. She's like, I'm totally running your career. Um, she goes, you're from me. That's it. I went on TV. I did my pigtails. I just want to say Mm -hmm. this. NBC would not put me on the Today Show. They thought I was with my pigtails at first. No way. Years. It took me years to get on Today Show with my pigtails. They thought I I was just too out there. I just love how authentic you've been through all of, um, all of your career. I think that's so respectable. And like being authentic, it, it obviously, you know, People see that. Thank you. So, and I watched yeah. Margaret's old sizzle reel. I think it was a sizzle reel. You were yes. getting, uh, and you look exactly the same, first of all. Thanks. The truth. <laughs> it's, it's the plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> but you've really never changed. And I think that goes back to the, the idea of that 50% delusion, because so often it's like a structured thing. You have to change. And that's the logistical thing to do because you, you dress for the mm-hmm. part of the job you want but you need to have that delusion aspect. I feel like that has a negative mm-hmm. connotation, but it's really I not. Know. No, it doesn't. And I think people could smell authentic. Why do you, why does everybody want to be a cookie cutter and, and fit in? Why fit in? When you, I do feel like when you can stand out. 
Yeah. Amy also introduced me, which I, this came up my first season on the show to Joan Rivers. And she did a lot for Joan Rivers' career. And we had went yes, to Joan Rivers, RIP Joan, the best. And we yeah. had went to her house for a party. And I showed up with my pigtails. And listen, now I don't always wear the pigtails because I love wearing wigs and different things. But I went to Joan's house and she, and she was nothing but lovely to Joe and I. And she was so nice. And she pulled me aside. She goes, I just want to tell you something. She goes, always wear your pigtails. Always be who you are. You stand oh. out. She goes, it's a good hook. She goes, you don't want to look like every other dumb blonde. <laughs> like, it's, you know, she goes, I, it's I mean, different. She goes, it makes a difference. She goes, and you stick to who you are. She goes, everyone told her to change. She goes, and I never change. And, she, you know, she didn't really get much more successful to later in her life. Right. You got to push the envelope and you have to do things that people wouldn't, you know, usually expect. And I wonder why people are so afraid to stand out. Be, they, they're insecure. They don't feel they'll be accepted. It's much easier to fit in. And I think that's, I think that's what it is. And I, yeah. but I feel like who wants a homogenous society? I, mm-hmm. I don't Nobody. find it interesting. It's boring. Agreed. No one wants that. Now, now, now get rising up in this industry before you got onto housewives, mm-hmm. were you thinking about, cause I feel like you don't get embarrassed. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you have that component missing. You never get embarrassed. I'm trying to work on uh, that. No, uh, there's Same. a few things embarrassing. Not a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. I, I get embarrassed if someone can't read the room, if they're socially inappropriate, um, like a tone deaf type of thing, but not about right. myself. That's so a secondhand, secondhand embarrassment. Yeah, get that, I get secondhand embarrassment sometimes for other people, but not for myself. Like if someone did something insulting, like social circumstances, but that's basically it. Like, like yeah. I could say like if a Jennifer on my show does a yeah. tone deaf thing and says something stupid, or if somebody's rude to a waiter, like that kind of stuff, but not, nothing yeah. on myself. Like what kind of embarrassment are we talking about? Well, so oh. I was thinking like when you when you when you were about to get on this show, because obviously you had done QVC before you had yes. done all that stuff. And it's like now you're going into your personal life. So all your shit shows are going to be exposed. Oh, yes, that's OK. Was there anything that you were thinking like, holy shit, this is going to come out and I'm just going to have to roll with it? No, you know what it was? I had my lawsuits in business. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, all that shit's going to come out. It, it's like, but that was no shame. I was like, I have a big business. Everybody's been sued to the. But they made out like it was such a big deal. I was like, oh, what a bunch of idiots. These people never had a business. Like Teresa and Melissa. But it's like, no, I felt like I came out there right away. I I had an affair with my husband. I left him for the contractor. I think you just have to put it all out there. That, you know, I wasn't ashamed of anything Mm -hmm. at that time. You know, I'm not ashamed. And and humans make mistakes. I think you're on a reality show. Um. My kids are not on the show. They're grown adults. That's their choice. I'm not going to say anything about, you know, do anything with them because they don't want to be on the show. So I can't do anything with that. But it's like, listen, I'm not the skinniest girl in the room. I I took a shower with my husband on the show. They showed my naked ass on the show. (laughs) These girls are in great shape. They all had implants. You know, they have the perky tits. I didn't get my boobs lifted till this year. I didn't want to be in a bathing suit in front of them, but I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I have cellulite. You, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. real life. That's the real world. Right. Right. Now, because you just do put it all out there. And what I thought was funny was the other day, I'm over your house and uh-huh. the, the place you're getting it all redone. And Margaret is like the eye of the storm in the way that she's the calm while the storm is going around. Around her. her. Yeah. She's yeah. standing there in her fur neck thing. 
and it's a mess around her and she's yeah. just cutting up apples and putting it in the dog's well, food that just goes to show no matter what's going on around you she looked good thank you she still has it instilled in her yes you know what i always i always do have a i have a thing in my head it's gonna work out it's gonna be fine don't right. have a freak out you know because if i'm not calm if i lose my shit then everybody's gonna lose it. <laughs> but i do always feel like it does work out it's and you know everything eventually will work out the way it's supposed to as long as everybody's healthy everything else um you know is a is a situation mm-hmm. right it's just a situation that we could yeah it's not really so you, a problem it's a situation you have such a positive outlook i love it thanks was, I, was there yeah was there any point where you um didn't you didn't have like a positive outlook on whatever you were going through I feel like, you know, some days I don't have a positive outlook, I think for like 20 minutes a day. And then I, and then I pull myself together. I feel like I've been through a lot. Maybe Mm -hmm. I had no choice growing up, but to have a positive outlook or otherwise I probably couldn't have survived. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but I, I do feel that way. Everything else, as long as everybody's healthy, we have no terminal illness in our family right now, knock wood. Um, everything else, you know, is a situation that I will figure it out how, how we're going to get out of it. You know, everything, listen, I've been through so much. I've been sued for $12 million. I've had people f- freeze my bank accounts. <laughs> Two of my kids aren't talking to me. You know, when I got divorced, they're grown adults. The whole world told me I'm a shitty mother. I left my ex-husband. Everybody in town was talking about me. I was sleeping with the contractor. I was meeting in hotels. I mean, I have had so much craziness you know, happen to me. It's like, you can really be resilient and, and pull mm-hmm. through things. Now tell Human me about what resilient. happened when the neighbors were talking about you. Cause that's some desperate housewives stuff. So you Oh God, with- it was crazy. It was really crazy. You know, I probably should have been more discreet. <laughs> I think I was very ready to leave my marriage. Um, but I was so obsessed and in love with Joe at that point, And I just wanted to be with him. And I, you know, I, I don't think I was thinking clearly. And I was just, but the neighbors were talking, um, everybody, you know, I, I will say someone, and I should put this in my book, someone pretty famous who's on like, um, a correspondent for CNBC saw me in uh cafe Angelique downtown. And I mean, he's like, very famous, like financial correspondent. He sees me downtown with Joe, just having coffee. And then I see him get on his phone because he knows me. And he's calling like my best friend to Yenta about me. Because two seconds later, my best friend's calling me and saying, so-and-so, blah, 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 just saw you with Joe in town. I mean, have you no decency? I mean, that's how fast people were talking. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. You and have I was to like, you're a fucking, I was like, you're a fucking CNBC correspondent. You fucking Yenta. You know, you were worried about the world financial market and you're talking about me, you know, with with my boyfriend. Have you nothing better to do? I was just going to say that, like, he has nothing else to worry about. I know. I was oh, like, it was a guy? It was a guy. It was, yeah. He probably wanted to have sex with you, Margaret. That's what was going on. He was jealous. No, I doubt it. But he was probably like, what else did you talk? I was so livid. I was like, really? Oh, my God. So uh, the whole neighborhood was talking about you. Everybody, people knew. And when I had moved out, my uh, my son was just like, oh, we're moving with the contractor. You know, the, you know, it was like I did. You know, I did something very unconventional. Everyone's like, you can't move right in with your boyfriend. You can't do this. You know that kind of stuff. And I was but like, who are they to be like? You can't do this. You can't do. I that. know you that's like do society this. rules. And I was just like, 
yeah. I was meant to do this. I was married for 20 years. We did everything to be together. I got a much bigger house a few blocks away. And I said to my son, mommy's making the right decision for her. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. It was two weeks before Christmas. I'm getting a bigger and better house. I'm throwing a party for 110 people um, you know, on Christmas Day. All my friends are Jewish, so they never have any place to go on Christmas. Oh, so every year I throw a Christmas party. I said, they're all coming to the house and we will be yesterday's news. We're putting it all out there. <laughs> and everyone's like, ah. I was like, that's it. You're a huge catered event. Everybody yeah. came to the house. So I had a new house. I was with yeah. Joe and that was it. And then we're yesterday's news. You got to like, do this. You yeah. cannot have shame. It's secrets are not good. If like everybody's talking, you just like confront it done over. Right. We're going to do it. We're, we're going to do it big. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you're embarrassed about it and everything else, it's not a good situation. Well, if people linger and if they're embarrassed and they're lingering about like what's going on, it's almost more sketchy. It is. It in is. In my opinion. So well, yeah. address it and move on. It's like, address right. it. it's done. It's over. Well, I always say, and Kate Casey came on last week and she was talking to us about, and I kind of have a different ideology than her on this. And I think you do too, Margaret, but she was talking about don't shine a light on things. I think the opposite. I think if you have the giant zit, you have to walk into the room and say, here's my zit. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's over. Because if you put everybody cover up on it, it's, it's more exposable. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you, I think you could shine the light and then, you know, turn the light off. Shine the yeah. light and then turn the light. The light shuts mm-hmm. off. It's yeah, like yeah. don't keep talking about it. You do it once and then it's done. Then yeah. you're not allowed to talk about it anymore. It's not like it don't perpetuate the light. All right, right we talked right. about the zit, Anthony. That's that's it. You know, let's fix it. Whatever it is, let's pop it. Done. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it tomorrow. Now Jan and you, Jan is Margaret's ex-husband. You guys mm-hmm. still have a good relationship. Oh, I, I love him. He's the best. We are so much, we're much better friends. I mean, listen, he calls me the other day. This is so funny. Margaret, do you have a gallbladder? Did <laughs> you get your gallbladder out? I, yeah, I got it out like seven years ago. You yeah, ain't no compromise. You gotta be careful with COVID. You know, that call, that you're in your no compromise. I go, now you're calling me about this? I go, I'm not oh. no compromise without a gallbladder. He's like, yes, I read that on the internet. I go, ooh, the internet. Ooh, you're so creative. <laughs> you know, he doesn't work. Jan is 20 years older than me. Okay. And oh, okay. he's very cute and he's very neurotic. He's very yeah. neurotic. We're much so better how did, friends than spouses. How did you meet Jan? Oh, in the Garmin Center when I worked in the Garmin Center. He owned mm-hmm. Joseph's Brothers Lace and Embroidery. And I had an amazing, uh, I mean, I had an amazing law student boyfriend, David Harrison, who went to Tulane Law School. And you know, everybody, of course, would love to leave their very successful Tulane Law School student boyfriend um, who comes from a very wealthy family and run away with like balding 20-year-old, you know, plus Jewish man <laughs> in the Garmin Center who has custody of three children. But, you know, that's what I was into, obviously. Right. <laughs> so I left my law student boyfriend, uh, left him for Jan, and that was it. And I packed my shit, moved to Tenafly, raised um, his three kids. I was 24. Mm-hmm. He was 44. His three kids were eight, 14, and 16. He had full custody. Wow. And that was it. And then we had a son together. Sounds like you've always taken on so much responsibility. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. eternally optimistic and think I yeah. can do anything. That's there, there comes in the delusion. Do you think that goes back to kind of full circle, like kind of mothering your mother in a way? And so kind of as a mom, you just kind of have to roll with the punches. And so I feel mm-hmm. like, in a way, I feel like you're maternal to me in a way, even though we're friends, but it's like, I feel like you're mothering and that's where the secondhand embarrassment comes from and stuff. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think I was always someone's mom. 
someone's mother. Um, I always felt like I was very more maternal to my mother. I always say I was the parental, you know, the parentified child. And I, it is the secondhand embarrassment because Mark Senior would do embarrassing things. I never felt embarrassed by myself. But I mean, even to this day, I'm like, Mark Senior, cut this shit. Mark Senior, you can't wear a leopard mixed with zebra with this, with that. Like, I'll get embarrassed by her outfit sometimes. So I think you're right. I think that's very good analysis, Anthony. Oh, well, I, you know, I love to psychoanalyze people. Yes. All yes. day, think, every day. I think you're right. That is the secondhand embarrassment. I get embarrassed for other people, but never my own shit, which is kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, that's like the way to be. Um, so and too. are you going to talk about all this in your book too? Yes. Yes. I, I, and that's the whole thing. I'm, I feel like I'm going very deep. There's, there's great stories. It's emotional. It's funny, naughty, you know, mm-hmm. deep, deep stuff. A lot of, a lot of everything. deep stuff. I think that people don't know about me. And it's yeah, life. Yeah. It's more, it's a prescriptive. It's not a memoir. It's about, um, it'll have life lessons. What I've learned from every part in my life. Um, hopefully it inspires a lot of young people, um, people going into their own business. Don't do the mistakes that I've made. Um, mm. How important it is to have um, people on your team that are great at things that you are not great at. Because listen, mm-hmm. I am a great front person. I'm great at being creative. I am the most, I'm not organized. I am not great <laughs> with my money. I am. I admit it. I've learned to be better at those things because you have to know what's going on. But you totally. know, I'm overly trusting. I didn't read my contracts. You know, I, I'm telling people, you know, things that they have to do, you know, not to have the pitfalls that I've had as well. Right. So what would you say is the biggest piece of advice for a young entrepreneur wanting to branch into the business world and start something and start a brand? I think that's what I had just said. Um, know what you're not good at is almost more importantly, uh, more important than what you are good at because Mm -hmm. what you're not good at, don't try, you know, get someone else to, to fill that role. Because it's like, I'm sorry, no one's good at everything. I don't give two shits. You, you know, you're just not good at everything. And I, you know, I knew I wasn't good at everything, but sometimes I was like, oh, did it? You know, I was, I, I took, I cut some corners, and that, and that's what you have to do. And yeah. you know, you're not, you're just not good on your own. And and don't be afraid. You know, every yeah. mistake is is a learning a learning lesson and i think that's what um entrepreneurs have to realize and there's no overnight success i don't give a crap no overnight right. success everybody thinks oh you're so successful did that yeah that was like 10 years in the making mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. at least five years you know you know there's those stories that once in a while a company gets bought out after a year or whatever it is but but things take time and mm-hmm. but it, 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 there's no reward like having your own business and, and having your own ideas and it's painful. You live it 24 hours a day, but it's amazing. I love it. You wouldn't cherry different anything. Yeah. No, no. And it's like, if you're passionate about something, it's like you never work a day in your life. And I don't, and I feel like I work hard, but I'm so passionate about everything I do. I enjoy every day. That's so inspiring. Well, you treat people well too, which is important because I find very often that you can, you know, like I said with my mom and you, you can go one of two ways. You had everything that happened in your childhood and then you have the lawsuits and the divorce. And it's like, you could have really become hardened by that and mm-hmm. treated people like shit. And you do the opposite. And that's really admirable. Oh, thank you. No, I'm very grateful because I have amazing people around me. I am nothing that my team. I mean, Lexi, forget it. If I could buy her, <laughs> I, can, I will. I promise. You know, she is like my entire life. Even my son says, he's like, if you don't buy Lexi a huge fucking house one day and pay for her kid's college, I'll kill you. I mean, <laughs> it's like, if I didn't have my team, like I would be so screwed. You know, it's like, I am nothing without them. And I say, oh, she, I could cry bitch. I'm like, she's the real Margaret Joseph. 
they're the best. Like, mm-hmm. and if you don't have like great people around you and be appreciative of them, you're a scumbag. I mean, seriously, if you don't appreciate the people around you who are good to you and who've lifted you up through everything. Yeah. It, you know, what's, what's the, the point? What's the point of living even? It's like, mm-hmm. you have to, if you don't have that around you, it's, it's no point. Yeah. So Margaret, I have a fun game that I want to play with you. I love a fun game. Perfect. Okay. So how this goes is you are, I'm going to give you a list of questions and then I'm going to give you results at the end and I will reveal the results at the end. So what animal do you admire most? And give me three descriptive reasons on why you love that animal. Okay. Let me think. What animal do I admire most? I would normally, okay. I think a monkey. Okay. Because a monkey is very cute. They're Mm -hmm. very smart. Okay. Cute, smart, and fast. Fast. Okay, good. Fast pays. Okay, now pick um, your favorite article of clothing and then three descriptive reasons why. Oh, my favorite, uh, my own favorite article of clothing or just like any article of clothing? Just any article of clothing that you would wear for the rest of your life and um, the reasons why. Okay, um, high-waisted bell-bottom jeans by Mother mm-hmm. my high, because they make my legs look long. So they're, I'm, trying, I'm trying to cater it so that it makes sense in the end. So they make your legs look longer. So they're very um, flattering. Okay, very flattering. They're okay. very flattering. They're mm-hmm. very sexy and they're timeless. Okay, perfect. perfect. And now give me your favorite um, body of water. Oh, the ocean. And three reasons why you love the ocean. It's calming. Mm-hmm. It's, it's calming. It's beautiful. And I love the way it smells. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. And lastly, if you were to be standing near a window, a cracked open window, and you felt the breeze coming in, how would that make you feel? Refreshed, alive, refreshed, alive, and happy. Wow. Amazing. Okay, so these are your results. Okay. The animal is how you see yourself. Okay. So as a monkey, you see yourself as being cute, smart, and fast-paced. Ooh, that's all true. Um, mm-hmm. The article of clothing <laughs> is how other how other people perceive you. So you said high-waisted bell-bottom jeans. Um, so people see you as being very flattering, uh, sexy, and timeless. Oh, I like that. I'll mm-hmm. take it. <laughs> the article of clothing is um, how you see sex and love in relationships. So mo- mostly sex. No, that's sex. The, ocean. The, the ocean. The ocean. The ocean. Oh, the body of water. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you see it as uh, becoming beautiful and you love the way that it smells okay that's good i I can stick my head in joe's armpits at all times see it's true love and then um standing by the window and feeling the breeze on you is how you would feel uh right before death so on your deathbed it it sounds like you would feel refreshed alive and happy oh that's so sweet that's nice isn't that kind of i like this yeah that is i love love this game yeah it's a good party trick It is. I want you to send me that because I'm, I'm having 10 women over tonight and I think everybody should, uh, we should do that tonight. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I'm having over my 10 neurotic girlfriends who are paranoid about (laughs) social distancing, which I understand why I happen to be COVID tested twice a week. So I'm not so Mm -hmm. nervous. Um, which I'm very lucky that I get to do that through my uh, network, but they're coming over. And I said, my, my house is big enough that we can social distance at this point now that I've done construction. So I'm going to stick them in all different areas and I'm going to play that game. Yeah. Hell yeah. So it's funny because when you said, because they make my legs look long, I like had to try to, um, 
fix it so that it made sense in the yes, results. Yes, yes, because it made yeah. my legs look long. Exactly. <laughs> I got, I got Marge legs. makes everybody's legs look long. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> so Margaret, you have the podcast Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget. Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget. With Lexi Barbudo. With Lexi, Lexi Barbudo at The Life of Mrs. B. Where I, and it's, it's about entrepreneurship. And, or, and disruptors in the industry and people who make a difference who's, you know, and I think it's great. I love it. I feel like it's very inspiring mm-hmm. and everybody who has a story, who has a story, yeah. who has a story to tell about people, you know, listen, I still people, I always say it's not from people who came from the lucky sperm club, but it's okay. If they did as long as they're <laughs> making, as long as they're making a difference and starting something. Mm-hmm. And, and so we do that, but it's like people that. come up with an idea of nothing. There's so many people who are so inspiring. It's so amazing. And then we'll hear more of your lessons in your book. Which- yes, my life lessons, which I, I feel like I, I have a decent amount at this point. I've, I've lived a big, juicy life. Oh, That's you've awesome. taught me a lot of shit. And then, of course, that you can find Margaret on Instagram at the real Margaret Josephs. And you can catch her on The Real Housewives in New Jersey. Exactly. Something that I absolutely love and adore about Margaret is how great of a businesswoman she is. Yeah. She is somebody that um, I look up to. I always look up to very empowered women. Yeah. Um, And they're just like my idols. Like I always dreamed of as a little girl, not being like the princess or like not being like a doctor or like some specific Yeah, yeah, yeah. Profession. You didn't have like the fairy tale princess dreams no, or like this or that. It I was... always dreamed of being in like a suit. Yeah. And yeah. like a blazer with like <laughs> heels. And um as a kid I always dreamed of being just like a successful businesswoman. Yeah. So this was really, really like Great, funny, and inspiring too. Yeah, and Margaret's got like that bedazzled suit. I love it. She's just doing her shit. Yeah, and she's herself while also getting business done, which is like awesome. Well, it's so interesting to hear her shit show because you know, you never know what you're gonna get with Margaret. She always has a new story, always something, and. It's so funny because after hearing her stories, I feel like she's constantly trying to stop me from getting into situations that she was Mm -hmm. getting in. (laughs) Yeah. So like whether she was like, oh, I heard what you said on that interview. Don't say that. Don't use that nomenclature. This. Boom. She's trying to protect me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because she's lived it. She's lived it. Yeah. And she probably sees like a little bit of you. In, in her, her yeah. you see yourself in her. So um, you guys have a really good relationship. And I mean, I see why now yeah. after talking to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's like the epitome of like somebody who's like, because so many people who do these reality shows, it's like, you know, they don't want to do it because they're on a business. They're in a business. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they have a business. Hers is so mutually exclusive with doing housewives. Mm-hmm. Well, it's her brand it's now. It's her brand now. Yeah, the whole thing, the whole package, which I think is really admirable. But she's like in the bedazzled suit, bedazzled blazer, the the bleach blonde hair. Yeah. Like she's just She's an icon. It. She's an icon. She really is. She I, stands out. Dominic always yells at me for saying Anthony's icon brother. too much. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, you know, I, I, she just is. Well, she's you can't really, really define icon until you see one. Yeah. So Wow, that was good. That, <laughs> That was really good. <laughs> um, I'm a funny. So when we were talking about this, like earlier, of me dreaming of being a businesswoman and like being in a suit. Yeah. 
So when I got my first communion, you know how they had like the magazines of all like the beautiful communion yeah. dresses and all the beautiful communion like white suits for the boys and everything like that. Wanted I suit. wanted a, a white suit. Oh my God. You were like Madonna in like a virgin and like the the me against the music my video. My mom was like, okay, what are we going to do with her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I love the structure and I love like the poise and everything well like it's that. ironic because it's like you love the structure and the poise of it but also like the opposite of structure you're such a non-conformist i know that's also it and it can be glamorous in its own way i didn't know that when i was what in second grade that was also the year i lied about my cousin yeah, being kidnapped yeah, just exposing us as frauds second grade i think was like my like <laughs> yeah well funny shit show that i was remembering while talking to margaret is like it happened recently i i have a very close friend who I, I left one job and in this business, I think it's hard to explain to people like in the creative industry, it's like a lot of times when you either work for yourself and freelance, you're like constantly moving through titles. People are having you do different stuff. A lot of times you don't last at the same place for like even six months. Mm -hmm. That's a long time in a creative industry, whether yeah. you're- Lots of turnover. Yeah, whether yeah. you're you know an assistant or a creative director, creative producer, whether you're this, this, that. Um, you just constantly are navigating through titles and, and, and job positions for different people. And so I was scouted after one job to work for this quote unquote socialite right. who lived in New York City. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a fun experience. I yeah. worked from home primarily. Um, but she it ended up she completely lied about who she was right but i believed her and yeah. so i was never getting a con paid. artist yeah but but i was so able to be conned by her like did that scare you it scared me and i also think it's like changed my perspective on things that like i feel like i need to like con people a little bit to get what i want so, so you think she, that that's a part of the industry is conning or is con no, i yeah. hope not no i feel like it is a little bit and it's not good and we have to like denormalize that yeah. but i feel like a lot of people that i've worked with um and it, it, whether it's talent or like mm -hmm. socialite people they they got a little bit and it's like quick talking that turns into conning a little bit. I've noticed too with um, socialites, because I used to work for a socialite too um, in the city, and they are creative people. Yeah. So I walked into her, she called it her flat, her New York flat. Her like she flat. Was yeah, so they always just come fabulous. up with these names. Yeah. And she always just looked like so like cool. Like yeah. just so cool. And yeah. she organized her file cabinets by perfume scent. No. Yeah, it was like. That's it kind was of fabulous, head, but also horrible. It was like a head screw, but yeah. I loved every second of it because she was so eccentric. But go on, sorry. No, it's really it. I, I just was realized like this woman, and and she would be like, you know, she was fabulous, and she lived in this amazing hotel in, in mm -hmm. New York, and it was very Anna Delvey-ish, and she just was turned out to be a complete fraud. She wasn't even using her real name, and her social media followers were all bought, and I was like, holy fucking shit, how did I let this happen? And then yeah. I quickly realized, like, oh my God, this is the chain of events. This is how people like this are created. And it's like, I mm -hmm. have to break a cycle in a way. Like, it, to get out of these shit shows where you, like, work for people that end up not paying you right. and this. And it's like... It's very easy, though, for the cycle to not be broken. And then somebody who works for somebody like that is like, oh, well, they got away well, with it. Now chasing, I can get away with it, they're too. They're chasing their lies and they're chasing their cons. Yeah. And you have no choice but to go along with it, like when you were working with them. Yeah. So it really wasn't your place to be like, okay, um, what the fuck? Yeah, and disclaimer, this is not somebody who worked on The Real Housewives or was a real housewife. She right. was not on a TV show. No. She was a quote-unquote musical artist. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> she lied about who her family was, and I was just like believing it. I had so many people who I trusted in my that life is wild. being like, "This girl is a fraud." Like but she's you know not what? telling you the truth. It's like what's so crazy about it is she probably went through her whole life being able to get away with it. Yes, until. Someone like you, Anthony, comes along and you're like, wait a second. Well, listen, she owed people, some of them like $10,000, some of them 100000 Oh, my God. She owed me a measly $3,000. Not measly. That's a lot yeah. to anybody. That's pocket. In, I mean, that's change. That's, <laughs> that's like, like three to four months rent for people. Yeah. Like, come on. And so she, I was the lowest on her total pull list. When I tell you I called her and ripped her a new one. Yeah. I fucking freaked I remember out this. on her. Yeah. I was like, and I was hurt. And yeah. I think that's what it was. I'm like, you fraud. Like, you you, you lied to me. It would have been one thing if you were lying to me and paying me. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, geez, then I would have been even more complicit mm-hmm. in this shit. Mm-hmm. Show me the money. Show him the money. Show it to us. <laughs> Show us Show the money. Show us the money. And I got paid. And I was really, I had to stick up for myself. And it's a hard thing that we navigate. I remember my dad, when we were younger, always was like, you got to stick up for yourself. But then I kind of felt like then as I got older and I was sticking up for myself for certain things, he's like, well, don't stick up for yourself too much to then burn bridges. And then it's like, well, you burn bridges. How do you you justify it? You were sticking up for yourself. You have to like pick your battles. Yeah. So do you not like being taken advantage of? Do you not like not getting paid? Like there's, I mean, both of the things you should want. Yeah. But that was kind of all of the above. So I think you fighting for that was the right move and it was yeah totally totally it was but it didn't feel good to like have to get down to a level Mm -hmm. that like I didn't want to be at like I went down to her level like I was just like cursing and freaking out and I was like but that was one occasion I know it wasn't your personality it was one occasion no but like it I can imagine like what if somebody wasn't as expressive as as I am like that's there's a reason why a lot of people stray from like this industry because Mm -hmm. it's like you're just totally getting fucked over well, all you the time. Also, knew your worth for her. Yeah, so that's what got you so mad. And I yes. think sometimes, pers- in my opinion, I think that being mad is better than being sad. Yeah. So totally. at that point, you were pissed, and you were like, "Show me the money." Yes. Well, it was a little. I think the the best spot is like when there's a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Like when you're expressing it to somebody, I'm like, I'm so angry, but also more so than that, I'm so sad that you thought that I was dumb enough or that you took advantage of me enough to to do this to me. Right. And it's like that's where the sweet spot is. Is like that thing between both. Right. Yeah. And there's like embarrassment there too when you're embarrassed oh my God. when being lied to or you're embarrassed by t- being taken for granted, like all that. Yeah, totally. And if that happens enough, you start to become pissed. Yes. And then expressive. Have you, I feel like you don't really freak out on anybody ever. I don't. I do, but it takes a lot. Like a lot, a a lot. lot. And it's only when I feel like I've been like threatened or embarrassed. Yeah, totally. Um, But I'm pretty unbothered for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, you're unbothered. (laughs) I'm unbothered. And sometimes I feel like How I'm did not... you learn that? How did you get to that point I've of always, unbothersomeness? I've always What was the question? How did you get to that point of like being so unbothered all the time? I've always been that way. I kind of yeah. let things like roll off my back, luckily. Yeah. Um but it's a detriment because I don't always stick up for myself when it is needed. When you need to stick up so, for yourself. Um but after a while what happens is it builds and it builds and it builds and I swallow my words and I swallow mm-hmm. um, just the expression that I want to like take out on somebody and then it blows up. Totally. And then that bridge is burned. 
So, oh, so you're like Taylor Swift a little bit in like the blank space music video. Like we have like, and we always talk about this. Is it better for something to just like fizzle out and be over, whether it's relationships, work, business, um, friendship. Or cold turkey. Or is it just like, uh, you know, it's going to be forever or it's going to go down in flames. Either or, no gray areas. I, think it I feel like that's I think how it, I am sometimes. I think it depends on yeah. like which facet. Like work for me, like... Um, I think it'd be better if it fizzled out. Yeah, me too. That's the best case um, scenario, but right? But like for relationships or even friendships, sometimes it's easier for me just to kind of like cold turkey it. Yeah. Just because then my emotions are cut off too. Yeah. Like that's like a total place in my head where it's black or white. Totally. Um, But because work is like something that I take pride in and that I have control over. Yeah. I would rather it fizzle out. Not negatively, just, you know. Yeah. Leave my everyday totally um so it depends <sighs> it's difficult because it's, it it's hard one of those but it's so things. fun to talk about isn't it <laughs> yeah no it is because i i feel like in relationships like i i'm totally okay with somebody saying like i want to be friends you know what i mean like mm -hmm. if somebody because then there's i am too because then there's always like that thing like oh in the future maybe this will turn into something or maybe it won't or whatever but i'm always like uh, if i really like somebody i'm like listen I'd rather have you in, in my, my life, life as a friend mm -hmm. as nothing than rather than nothing at all. But then it gets to like that murky part with some people where it's like, okay, well, how long? Like, of course, it's easy to do that. But then there's these other, you know, external factors at play. And then finally, you just get to a place where you're like, holy fucking shit, it's going to be forever or it is going to go down in flames. And yeah. once it goes down in flames, it's just so much easier to forget yeah, because there, there's that there, big moment. There are times where it doesn't necessarily go down in flames. It just yeah. like goes dark. <laughs> yeah, it just goes dark. It just goes dark. That's interesting. Um, yeah, but I so know So dark you mean. is more like cold turkey. Down in flames is like... It's big, like big blowout. Yeah. It's almost like, um, not calm before the storm, but a little bit. Yeah. I don't well, know. we certainly learned a lot about whether it was work relationships, yeah. the re weird interpersonal connection between sexuality and business and mm -hmm. women and, and you know. From and just navigating all yeah. of those, you know, different aspects when it comes to your work and professional life. Yeah. So you can watch Margaret Josephs on the uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Yeah. Follow her on Instagram at the Real Margaret Josephs. And then... Uh, I think that all the housewives are available on Hulu and then, th oh, yeah. you know, I know that very well. <laughs> of course, there's going to be a new season of New Jersey housewives. So, I, so everybody catch that. Hell yeah. Um, but what do you need to tell people Morgan to do right now on this podcast? Right now. Yeah. Right now. We want you. We want you. To subscribe. Subscribe. It's a very, very simple. Very simple. I never realized how simple it was until I really did it. Until you did it. Until you just <laughs> pressed the button. So I just pressed the button. And I know you guys, you're probably listening. And you're like, oh, I will subscribe eventually. Guess what? Do right it now. now. Just hit subscribe. There's no better time than right now. You're listening now. to it. It's really simple. But whatever you do, just click the subscribe button. Rate five stars. It only helps us out and it makes us able to keep producing episodes for you. Also, it helps you guys because I know how much people love getting notifications on their phone. Yeah. That's totally. what we look Everybody for. Everybody wakes up in the morning and is like, oh my God, I have a notification. Exactly. So you'll get one from us. You'll get one from if us. If you subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you subscribe and also follow us on Instagram. Yes, do that as well. You can find Morgan at? You can find me at morg underscore lamada. 
L-A-M-O-T-T-A. And you can find me on Instagram at Anthony Lario. 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 I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Lario. Uh, actually, somebody uh, uh, who I went to high school with, Lena Fici. You remember Lena? Yes, yeah, I do she's so Lena. sweet. Um, DM'd me and was like, listen, <laughs> Lario was the way that people in Philly pronounced it. Yeah. Lario is the Americanized Italian way, yeah. which is more proper. But Lario. the real way to say it is Lario. Lario. So, at Anthony Lario. And I think I'm La Mota. La Mota. La Mota. La Mota. La Mota. There's a space so in guys, there. There is a space. space. And there's blank space. The blank space. <laughs> so guys, thanks for enjoying the shit show. Yeah. And thanks for all the love you've given. And listen, if you have your own personal shit shows, email us at the shit show show podcast, podcast at gmail.com. We will talk about them on the show anonymously. Mm-hmm. Never reveal your name. And uh, it could be fun to hear other people's. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, everyone has a shit show they go through. We want to hear yours. And we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Miss Americana and the Heartbreak <laughs> Prince. The shit show. <laughs> yeah, that was a shit show. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.